Welcome back to another edition of the Return the Picks podcast, where once again, and almost for the last time, the last time in the regular season at least, we are trying to win some moolah off picking six team accumulators on the NFL. Myself, Ollie Wilson, Jazz Gillum and Dave Bluck, as always, running through our picks this week. We were also joined by Mr. Richard Graves from Sky Sports, a fantastic reporter for Sky Sports NFL, a man who is devastated to have not been able to get out to any of the games uh, this year for fairly obvious reasons, but a man who isn't in Tier 4 currently in the UK and so still is better than all of us. Yet. 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 And he's a Dallas it, Cowboys give fan. Give a week. Get him over. What's more insufferable, the, the fact that he's not in Tier 4 yet, like the rest of us on the podcast, or the fact that he's a Dallas Cowboys fan? I think the Dallas Cowboys fan would always win over everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, to um, be quite frank. Yeah, a fairly fair analysis of the Dallas Cowboys. He's obviously plucky and optimistic about their, their uh, chances to make the playoffs. Um, and you can hear more of that after we run through our bets from last week very quickly. No winners, as always. I went 3-3 three and three with Seattle, uh, the Chargers and the Dolphins getting victories, but the Vikings on Thursday Night Football, the Colts against the Steelers ruining both my bet, and, of course, the Colts ruining my Steelers chat from a week ago. That will come back later on in the podcast, and the Eagles losing as well, which also comes back later on in the podcast, as Rich is a Cowboys fan. Uh, Jazz, how did you do last week, mate? Went four and two. Unfortunately, the Vikings banged me, as I should have expected from Kirk Cousins. Also, the Rams with Jared Goff and his useless thumb, who couldn't throw the ball at all in the second half, ruined my bet against the Seahawks as well. Yeah, the Vikings. But then one, the God. Vikings and Jared Goff will also come up again later on in the podcast when we have a special yes, they will. end of season airing of the grievances. It's something kind of taken from Seinfeld and the, the festivist celebrations that they have. Uh, and we have the airing of our grievances over this season so far. Some a little more well-founded than others. Um, I don't think Rich really knew what he was talking about with his first one and the Steelers and stuff. But you were... Uh, it felt a little bit like his gripes were actually things he kind of liked at the same time. Yeah, yeah. He was... Uh, That's cool. Fine. I mean, it's the first time we've made gripes like this. So it was just fun to have someone else to chat through things. And his, in fair, some of his opinions on what he said were very good. Hey. Um, his <laughs> cousins one, not great. But, you know, you can't hear everything, right? You still won't let Kirk Cousins go after the... Oh, no. Never going to be let go. Well, uh, we'll let you get on with the rest of the podcast. Enjoy Sky Sports' Richard Graves joining us here on Return the Picks. Over the middle, picked off! Season fired, intercepted! Blitz coming. Pass is picked off! He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. I picked Mike McCarthy to be head coach of the year at the beginning of the season. I thought he was going to do a great job with Dallas. And ooh, ooh. I pick, I was close. If it hadn't been for just my, pure, well. my pure hatred of Dallas, I would have said they'll probably win the NFC East because I only had the Eagles winning six games when we did our predictions way, way back. So what's gone wrong? <laughs> well, well you're half Dallas right. to win the NFC East, aren't yeah. they? You're half right. Oh, no, please. Oh, uh, no, please. Tyler Heineke's going to rip up the Eagles' <laughs> offense. Uh, sorry, defense next week. Not he almost did it to the Panthers last week. 
Not, not Dallas. Not well, here's all. the dilemma, isn't it? If you're, you're a supporter of any team in the NFC East, you find yourself in a position that is very unfamiliar rooting for one of your division rivals. To win, yeah. You know, it's mixed emotions, but as Bill Belichick says, concentrate on do your job and then whatever will be, will be. Is it harder for Dallas fans, though, to root for the Eagles? Like, that would be the worst team that you would no, want to root no for. Hard, no harder than uh, Eagles fans to root for the Cowboys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that that's is true. very true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a horrible taste in the mouth if we get through all of this from this year and Dallas still end up winning the division. Because it should, I mean, on paper, Dallas should have won it at a canter. So to have all of the turmoil of every team being crap and Dallas looking like they were going to be way off it, and then they just creep back into this potential situation. Well, well this is the thing. Um, we, we spoke via um, WhatsApp on Sunday night, Ollie, and it prompted me to go through my notes. And my preseason breakdown of the NFC East had Dallas winning it with an 11-5 record of Philly making the playoffs as a wildcard team with a 10-6 and record. Now, let's not beat around the bush. The NFC East has been a dumpster fire of a division <laughs> all season long, quite right at the yep. butt of many jokes. But if I give you the scenario of Dallas winning um, in New York against the Giants on Sunday, followed by the Eagles going into Washington and ripping up all their postseason aspirations, you've got a Dallas Cowboys team heading into the playoffs on a four-game winning streak in December. With a home game as well. With, with home field advantage for wildcard weekend. You ask any NFL pundit, player, expert, whatever, before the start of the season, what do you want to do? You want to make the playoffs and you want to do it by playing well in December. Well, here at Dallas, as we sit here talking now, with just six wins all season, nothing about it says that they should even be entertaining um, a single game in the postseason, but look, go back a decade when the Seahawks scraped in. I think they finished seven and nine that season, get home field advantage in wildcard weekend and knock off the much fancied New Orleans Saints. If, if that game was to be played today, it'd be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Dallas. God, they did play the Bengals without Joe Burrow, the 49ers with Nick Mullins, a QB, and he just turned the ball over too many times. Granted, just beat Jalen Hurts and had a bit of a statement victory over the Eagles but again the Eagles aren't very good so granted you're saying December football but they've got to look at who they've played as opposed to just kind of jumping on the bandwagon like we've said all year with the Rams the Rams have shown themselves to be this team that looks quite good and they look at who they've played well they haven't played the best teams in the league so actually are they who they think they are well you can only beat the opposition that's out there on the field that's in true. front of you and I will turn around to you and say as an argument the Eagles have had similar opponents and quite frankly fallen short with their $118 million quarterback at the helm for most yep, of yep, them. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, moving on, moving yep, on. Yep, yeah, that was yep, a nice point. Yep. We can yeah, move on. <laughs> um, but with that on, that, on that note though with Carson Wentz, does that also make you think that they might be more reluctant to pay Dak Prescott having seen Wentz implode in the way that he has? Not at all. I, I think if anything, Dak's stock has risen as, with, with him not being... Um, out there on the field yeah. as the season has gone on. But you look at what he did during those first four and a half games when he was out on the field. And the only reason Dallas were in those games were because of Dak Prescott, quite frankly. Their defence was shambolic. Yep. They had next to no running game. He was playing behind an offensive line that was missing its two starting tackles, missed um, Zach Martin for a couple of those games, I think, as well. And you look at some of the wins they had, I 
hate to say this and bring it up again, but Atlanta, <laughs> I mean, that that is the uh, it, you could play that game 1,000 times and Atlanta win it 999 of those times. Yeah, they somehow win that. Um, Andy Dalton comes in relief against the Giants and somehow manages to to win a game driving that offense on a, a game winning drive. That Prescott is going to be the Dallas Cowboys quarterback for some years to come. He will. Uh, I, I think knowing the Jones family, they'll probably pay him this offseason. There's a lot of talk that they, they tag him again just to see how he goes. But I think he's done enough now to convince them that he, he's worth that, especially when you look at what the, the Rams have done with Jared Goff, the Eagles with Carson Wentz. I think both those teams probably regret those deals right now. And yet Dak, without the same quality of player around him for uh, much of that same period, I, I think as season in, season out, performed pretty well and earned it. It's interesting though, because like Dak last year was putting up all of the numbers, but there was no production really elsewhere on the team, which is why Dallas ended up falling short. This year, you saw Dak, you know, put up, start putting up similar numbers again at the beginning of the year. Um, and then obviously he's gone out, but it was still when he went down, the main bulk of the conversation was, we imagine this is going to prevent Dak from getting paid because a QB coming back off a long-term injury is, is always a worry. So why would that narrative have, have changed so much just because they've seen that without Dak? I mean, nobody's thinking that Andy Dalton is going to be the QB for the future for the Dallas Cowboys. And, and there are some possible names that might be available as like a decent interim. Like Carson Wentz. No, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll make that trade. <laughs> um, it, it, it's interesting because you, you talk about what Andy Dalton has done. And if there's one team out there now that is kicking themselves that they didn't go and make sure they got Andy Dalton, I'm convinced it's up there in Foxborough with the New England Patriots because, fine, he doesn't set the world alight but he's a good timing and rhythm thrower. He gets the ball out of his hands quickly. Everything that Tom Brady did or was asked to do in the previous offences up there in New England, and instead they ended up waiting and getting Cam Newton. I'm sure Belichick has looked at what Dalton's done in this last month and thinks, gosh darn it, we, we could have had that. Do you really yeah. think Dallas that... only paid him $3 million. Sorry, Richard. Do you really think that the... Uh, I, I agree with you. I thought it was um, it was odd that they didn't kind of um, pull the trigger on him and get him. But um, do you think that that wide receiving call would have done anything else? I can't imagine that it's, it's one of the worst in the league. You know, yeah. I, that, I can't that, imagine that, that they suddenly would have yeah. taken off, you know. That, that's a separate argument. Um, and granted, I, I agree with you. Um, but the, the whole premise of the, the Patriots offense was fine. We'll, we'll make do with the pieces we've got. Um, it's a timing and rhythm offense we'll get the ball out and we'll mix in some run with it as well. And our defense will, will do the rest. Look, Cam Newton, after he went down with having tested positive with coronavirus, just wasn't the same nope. quarterback. Yep. You know, he showed flashes before that. I remember thinking, hang on, maybe they've it's got something there. here. Yep. He, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he hasn't been the same since. And it's simple. Um, as far as a game of football goes, if you don't possess the ball, you can't score points. If you can't score points, you can't win a game. And that's been the problem up there in Foxborough. That's fair. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's um. I was wondering. I was thinking about the whole Cam Newton situation because they got him for so cheap, and I, I think the second year option isn't really going to cost them much more if they do decide to take it. But judging what you see from the production of Cam this year and the way the offense has changed, and I really think for the negative in the way that they play, it's it's far too QB run focused. Um, 
And as I've said, that's all they have though. That's all they have is the best, yeah. the best offensive player they have. That's the that's the trouble. They haven't got a weapon around him to really throw to. If they had one of those, different offense. And if you go back four years, was it four years, five years, um, when Cam Newton was named the NFL MVP? Yeah. For for all the he scored and made plays with, with his legs, he could throw a deep ball. Hmm. Where has that been this season? You know, even intermediate routes. It, it's not just the it power, looks labored. it's the accuracy as yeah. well. It really does. Um, and that's yeah. why I think, you, you know, Dalton's free agent at the end of this season. Do not be surprised if Belichick goes back there because I think what he's done in the last month has said to prospective NFL teams, we, we've got somebody here that can actually still do a job in the NFL. I don't know whether he's a starting quarterback for somebody next season, but he's certainly going to be on somebody's team. I still yeah. think... I still think uh... Patriots actually would really benefit and I've been kind of hoping that the Eagles would potentially pick him up I've said it on the last two weeks on this pod of the the remaining years of Matt Stafford of you might be able to get him fairly cheap if the Lions move on and like Stafford would be a great arm of experience and he still has power in that arm um yeah. and a confident QB as well I don't see it being a case of like Stafford is dwindling I mean he still continues in games to kind of drag the Lions kicking and screaming at times so Stafford with Belichick would be a really nice combination if they could build something around that in a, in a short period of time of like a two years or so to get an offense up there in New England and, and suddenly could look very scary again. I think Matt Stafford's going to be a really interesting one in the same way as a Dalton of where he ends up going if the Lions do decide that they're moving on with him. He's not playing. He's going to be a lot more expensive than Dalton, though. He's going to be a lot more expensive. And and the reason for that is he's a better quarterback than than, than, than Dalton. Matt Matt Stafford has still got some years left in him as a starter in this league. Make no mistake about it. He's just been unfortunate um, and a bit like Barry Sanders before him to be on a roster and a team that hasn't had many good pieces around him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, quite frankly, yeah. And going back to what you were saying about the Eagles, the biggest problem is they've already paid that big contract yeah. to Carson Wentz. Yeah. You, you can't get rid of it. He's stuck there as the problem. Well, well, for one more he, year, he starts, he's stuck there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he one is. One more year, but, the, the dead cap is like 25 million. The year after, it's nothing. So they could get rid of him the year after without any trouble. It's well, just having to keep could, But it, if Jalen Hurts goes out there this Sunday and leads Philly to a win over Washington in Washington, then you don't get a, a better advert for yourself than that to be st- the starting QB a week yep. one ne- next season. And if that's the case, you have got, by a distance, the most expensive backup on any NF- F- NFL team's roster. And I just don't see how you can build a team and win like that. That's because we're... the agent coming out and chirping, oh, I'm not happy with how he's being treated. He wants to get out. He thinks Philadelphia is treated him badly. It's not how you make friends in that locker room either. That's fine. Go and sit on the outside of the of the of the stadium. We'll we'll flush that money away because we're balling in Philly. That's what we do. Just making it rain, giving players all that cash and not playing them. I mean, yeah, for Carson at this point, I don't think the city of Philadelphia wants to see him start another game ever again. Again, ever. I, to be honest, I, I think it might be a case. I, I've the Doug Peterson thing. It it doesn't work. The style that he's got. Um, in Philadelphia at the moment, well, the, the decision. I've, I've got a suggestion made. for you. It, you know, Philly, I think, would probably like to to make a trade and look elsewhere if they could, and certainly take back that contract if they could. <laughs> Philip Rivers is up there back. in Indianapolis. Um, is this his last year? We don't know yet. If it is, when were Carson Wentz's best days in, in the NFL? It was yeah. with Frank, Frank Reich as his offensive yep. coordinator. 
Do Indianapolis pull the trigger on that trade? Do they see Carson Wentz as a possible reclamation project? Does Frank Wright believe that he can still get some of that play out of Carson Wentz? I mean, it's, that's all right. That's, I think that's the best option for him too. It's without question. super bold of Frank Wright though to to try and convince the franchise that this QB that's been sacked 50 times has thrown uh, league leading in interceptions and hasn't played in the last three weeks and still leads the league joint in interceptions, which, ones, is, yeah. which is impressive. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just a shame we didn't get anyone near Jameis Winston's from last year. I was really hoping at week four or five, there's a chance here. He might just break it. Well, it wouldn't be 30 for 30, would it? Because he wouldn't get no, that wouldn't many touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. Five to 30, maybe. Are we done? Oh. Are, we, are we done? Are we done? Okay. We're yeah, done. maybe we've got more. Right? It's up to you. Um, but yeah. No, but... I think that's a good shout, Richard. It, it could yeah. be really interesting up, up with the Colts. But... And I do think, like, I think that Wentz could be a really good reclamation project. Sometimes things go wrong and you can't always put a finger on it with players. We can see what's going wrong and it seems like it was obvious the whole time. But just rewinding to before the season started, you know, I think Carson Wentz played well last season. We kind of all agreed on that on this podcast. Ollie had some more doubts, um, probably because he was really watching. Him. He was watching him a bit closer, but you know, he played well last season with next to nothing with him, and he's got an MVP kind of caliber ceiling if he can get back to that. So I don't know. It's not like a crazy move for them. Like I wouldn't say the Colts are like mental if they did that, but it would be a big risk. I agree with Ollie in a sense that it's a bold move by Frank Reich and the Colts if they go down that road. What I will say about Carson Wentz is I preferred him over Jared Goff um, coming out of college in the draft. And what, what I've seen this season is that he's holding on to the ball too long. Yes, That's led to yeah. an enormous number of sacks behind an offensive line that's been banged up. Yeah. Um, I, I've lost count of how many different combinations they've had. A decimated receiving core. So you get to a point when you get hit often enough and sat that many times that you start hearing footsteps. And what I was seeing luckily from Carson Wentz is that he's not only hearing footsteps, he's holding onto the ball and trying physically to make plays with his own legs as well. And that's just a recipe for absolute disaster, which is what we've seen. And the, the only reason people are raving at the moment about what Jalen Hurts has brought to the Eagles offense is because he's been a bit more mobile because, dare I say it, He's a rookie in the league. He's listening more to the coaches and so just get rid of the ball. Uh, and he doesn't yet have that inner self-belief with, that all quarterbacks have at some point that they can make all the plays all, yeah. all of the time. You know, ultimately, for, for what you say about Jalen Hurts as a starter, he's won one, lost two. Yeah. Uh, look, Hurts, he's though, looked good in those the, one, the, one, lost the two. Difference... Carson Wentz has looked trash and the rest of them is the thing. Yeah, the difference with Hurts and Wentz at this point is... Wentz definitely holding on to the ball was a has been a problem all season and it's was a problem last season at times as well. It just got hidden away by the fact that he dragged teams kicking the screen. His accuracy though on a lot of passes that two seasons ago, a season yeah. ago, you would look at and think, Yeah, just hitting the outside shoulders, never a problem for Wentz, but he seems to put it now on that wrong side of the receiver too often to give corners the chance to make a play. And now that may be because he's feeling under pressure more, or maybe he is feeling the pressure even when it's not there. But that is a problem compared to Jalen Hurts, who stands, probably because he hasn't had it knocked out of him yet, who stands more confident in a pocket when he is throwing. You know, he's willing to launch it downfield when he's getting face masks like Fitzmagic was kind of thing. He will stand there and take the hit still at, at this point in his career. But I don't see Jalen Hurts as an upgrade in the long term. I don't I haven't watched Jalen Hurts and thought, oh, we could build around this quarterback. I think Jalen Hurts is probably the ceiling of a guy that 
can go to a Super Bowl if the rest of the team around him is exceptional. And I still don't think that the Eagles have like got that. Trent yet. Dilfer, basically. Yeah, like it's he can wow. he can. That's an expensive <laughs> second round draft pick to to lose yeah. out on if you don't think he's got any more. Oh, the Eagles don't draft well though. The Eagles do not draft well for like the last few years. Derek Barnett was probably the last like really good draft pick that we took and came in and made a great impact, but. I, it seems savage you missed out on Jefferson. Yeah. Just every I was week just I think about, about it. Say, do you think right now they, they sit down there in that war room over in Philly and think, <laughs> look at his face. Jefferson on the board. Yeah, he looks what, like all the fame guys. It's, it's so irritating when on draft night, I think I actually messaged you, Rich, and was like, why are we not taking him? Like, why? And if yeah. I can pick that, how can somebody who's studied all the hey, tape needs to do it yeah and gets paid millions to do it why can't they yeah yeah he'll, he's a one-hit wonder though don't worry about it. one hit wonder <laughs> <laughs> show me show me in the fundamentals where justin jefferson excels he's just a big play guy don't worry about it <laughs> uh, yeah. back, right. to, back to wentz and his decision making accuracy the one play that sticks in my head from this year was the one against the seahawks we had two receivers maybe 15 yards apart not far from the end zone, and he throws the ball perfectly in between them to the safety standing right at the end, as if he thought the safety was his player. Yeah, hit him on you the just numbers. Can't, that's sort of a decision you can't be making if you paid that much money as a quarterback. Yeah. You just can't be doing it. Well, I'm going to digress here, but if we're talking about accuracy and aiming at the wrong player, does anybody know who Jared Goff was trying to throw the ball to <laughs> oh on Sunday? Oh, my God. Well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> I don't even see what it? the play was. It, I just Everybody knows when you say that. Yeah. They need a they need a um, Apple update on the uh, software that <laughs> the operating system is updating for Jared Goff because it's obviously gone <laughs> horribly the wrong. There are bugs in it. Jared Goff has turned into the uh, Cyberpunk 2077 of quarterbacks. It yeah. doesn't work. I He's think his, joy- a... his joystick's just worn out. I think. Yeah. yeah. McVeigh's joystick's worn out. That, I mean, they're they're <laughs> the most frustrating team of this year in that as soon as you start to back them, like asked it every single week, who are the LA Rams? And a huge part of it is Jared Goff being a very unpredictable, average or less than average quarterback on on the majority yeah. of the time this season. And they don't. Yeah. People keep raving about the running game, and I don't see a I good see running it. game in. They've got a well, rotation because definitely brought a spark to it, and now he's gone down, and they they've got problems again. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing at first, and I kept saying this to when I was having conversations at the start of the season, first half of it. I think of their first five wins, maybe three of them were against NFC East teams. Well, that's not a lot to write home about, certainly the first (laughs) half of this season. Uh, And then you've got, of course, back up against the NFC West and the Cardinals and the 49ers and the Seahawks. Well, that's a step up in competition again. And, you know, Jared Goff didn't have a great year last year. Um, And I don't think... He's got a little bit better in terms of looking after the ball this season, but I don't see him kicking on again. What about, what about what about Dwayne Haskins? Had that year with the Super Bowl, he's been a bit use, not useless, but he's done. He's he's regressed a bit in the same way that Carson Wentz regressed after that Super Bowl year. Well, he's turning into a liability and not an asset, isn't he? Yeah. So because they've yeah, got yeah. you know the rest of the Rams team is you know they could do some upgrading at the skill positions, but their defense is legit, so they and, should and, you know, be if, better if you, than they are. If you're an opponent, it you know it got around the league that McVeigh was in Jared Goff's ear till the last possible moment when they shut off comms in that Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl run rather than winning season, uh, and that gets around the league. And you go, okay, fine. As a defense, then we're going to show you one thing till the comms switch off, and then we're going to switch. 
now work is out. And I think we've seen a lot more of that causing problems over the yeah. last 18. Does, um, Absolutely. Does Dwayne Haskins get another job in the NFL? Do you reckon? Do you think he will get onto a roster? Hey, look, RG3 really? is still on a, a, an NFL roster, isn't he? Yeah, he had, so, he had, at least he had a good year. So, somebody will give Dwayne Haskins a, another show. You know, you're only 18 months away from fellows in the first round of the draft. So, I'm not saying he'll get a starting role. I think somebody will bring him in and say, right, you can have the backup role or so on. Um, you know, Brandon Whedon was a backup. Matt Castle went as a backup. And I, I don't really think there's an awful lot to choose between when you drop down to that level. Um, and because he's young and because he's got an immensely strong arm, somebody will give him a, a shot and just see if they can get something out of it. Do you not just think, think from a person personality standpoint, though, taking that selfie again on the side of the game before the game had finished and this week with the strip club incident during COVID issues, are you just... That sort of liability is not really what you want in your locker room. I think that would go against a decent culture. If you went to the Bengals before they've tried to change things, yeah, fine. Go to the Raiders before they try to change things, fine. But now those teams that let the reprehensible people, shall we say, in are fewer and further between, I think. So I'm not sure where he'd get his chance. Yeah, I think he will, though, just because, like like you said, Richard, you know, Josh Rosen, a similar thing kind of happened to him. Didn't really get a fair shake of it necessarily. Didn't show much to us but he's still had he's on his fourth team now i think so god i don't know he's moved a couple of times um but uh yeah he'll definitely he'll definitely get a job josh rosen didn't act like an absolute dickhead though I mean, not to be yeah, that's not the thing. bluntly. Yeah. Like, that's that, the thing. This is yeah, this is the absolute problem. Like Dwayne Haskins is the guy that was given the responsibility of being a leader and couldn't ever match up to and show any sort of leadership, and instead still acted like he was playing college ball, kind of on the sideline, joking around, messing. I mean, it, it's not difficult to see that being a QB in the NFL, it takes dedication to sit down and go through play by play, learning your playbook, learning on the sideline during games. Maybe not taking selfies during a game, perhaps. Maybe not going out to the strip club during a pandemic. I mean, these are basic, these are basic things <laughs> that normal people know, let alone NFL quarterbacks should know. It's, it blows my mind. So unless there's a real like yeah. shock adjustment, like what we were talking about um, with Jameis Winston, Winston still acts like a prat a lot of the time with his like eating W's and stuff. Yeah, W's. Yeah, yeah. And Marlon Favorite did say that could be a reason why he didn't get an opportunity to start when Drew Brees went down because he still just doesn't have the right leadership role and attitude. And and Haskins has done nothing to show that he's redeemed himself. Yeah, but it's hey. only very recent, isn't it? But I, I don't see how he can really do that anytime soon yeah i mean the character thing though you know to be a third string qb which is probably where he's going to be next season or or maybe a backup he's going to be competing for that two three spot on some not great team you know that's i don't think they're so worried about character they're not handing the guy 100 million dollars you know so well, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Dwayne Haskins was close to being in my uh, airing of grievances. This is kind of going to be stolen from. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it feels like you've done it already. Right? From, yeah. This is kind of going to be stolen from Seinfeld, the Festivus airing of the grievances. But we are getting to week 17 this weekend, which is, you know, all of the rosters get put out of kilt unless you've uh, actually got hopes of squeezing into the playoffs or may- taking a division uh, coming up on Sunday. So it's time to get everything off our chest that's annoyed us. Uh, Rich, I would love you to go first with a airing of a grievance that has frustrated you throughout the NFL season this year. Well, it wasn't so much throughout. It, I'd heard murmurings of this before, but it actually came to a head on Sunday night. And again, it involves you, Ollie, with a 
a little text message exchange about the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And the line came through, they are bang average. They are overrated. And I was like, are you kidding me? How many NFL teams would not given the opportunity take every member of that Steelers defense say, yeah, we'll have those. Thank you. And then came the list of, well, look who they've played. Look, the NFL game, NFL regular season is a 16 game season. You play everybody in your own division twice, and then you get what the Ross, what the schedule gives you. You can only play the opponents in front of you. And you look through, especially this last month or so, when they had that three-game losing skid, and they were not helped out in any way, shape, or form by an offense which I think struggled to score 20 points yep. in that period. And yet this is a defense which continues to go out there and make plays. Let me take you back to week three when they're playing the Houston Texans. And there were at least two scores behind at halftime. It might have been three scores. Second half, they come out. They shut out the Houston Texans offense, allowing Pittsburgh to go and win that game. You look at Sunday night, ironically, after Ollie had spent at least an hour of my time telling me how average they were. (laughs) And They're three scores down against the Indianapolis Colts on the back of a three-game losing skid. Out they come for the second half. They allow just three more points. They take the ball away. They get to the quarterback. They make game-changing plays. Do not tell me the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is overrated and average because it is one of the best, if not the best unit in the NFL right now. Two and a half I think we should have Richard on more often, by the way, without question. <laughs> yes. Best guest we've had. Two and a half quarters of football against the Colts and my rant from last week and all of the facts Hell and apart. figures, that it was looking so good. The Colts were just crushing that game. The Steelers had no right to get back into that game. And unfortunately, Indianapolis couldn't do anything in the second half in terms of putting points on and the board. And by the way, why why was it the Pittsburgh Steelers were still as close, if you want to put it in those terms, as they were at the half to the Indianapolis Colts? It is because the Steelers' defence made a play again, strip sack, give the offence the ball down at the four-yard line, go get the touchdown. Yep. Look, I'm still going to... Steelers s- football. I'm still going to sit on my... The Pittsburgh Steelers have been so... Your throne fat- of lies. ...so fortuitous with the teams that they've faced, both outside their division and a bit of luck inside the division as well, the quarterbacks that they've faced this year, the number of backups that they've faced, the average QBR rating, which is low anyway, and then only three QBs they've faced have a higher QBR than the average of all of them put together, which is Tannehill, uh, Watson and Baker, I think. Basically, One of the issues with that point, uh, though, Alan is as this. Well. You're talking about QBR. The QBR is determined by how well they play against the defences they play against. So if they have a bad game against the Steelers, they're going to have a lower QBR. And as I said, the turnovers last week, only two teams inside the best 11 in the league in terms of not giving the ball away, the rest in the bottom 20 uh, to 32. They have played teams that throughout the year have given the ball away. The Pittsburgh Steelers D is a good D, but I think it is just a good D. It's, it's, It's not anything that I think is any really better than perhaps the Bills. They could go the Bills could go toe to toe with them. I think if you stick Devin Bush back in if when he's back to being fully fit next year, that's a and Bud Dupree if he comes back or not, or this, hopefully this I'm is another thing as well which gets overlooked over the course of November especially. You know, that linebacker course suffered hemorrhaged players during November. And yet this D still comes out there and balls week in, week out. You know, if you're talking about a defense over the course of an entire season. Give me five teams that have better Ds than the Pittsburgh Steelers. The New Orleans Saints, 
Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the LA Rams. Um, yeah, I'd take the Bills over the Steelers. So, so you're giving me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just as, as one example, who, if you know which Buccaneers team's going to show up week in, week out, you're a better person than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. That's what you right. get from the Steelers. You get consistency. I think, yep. I think uh, yeah. Look, I still think the Steelers' D is been like fortuitous <laughs> with who they played uh, yeah i still think i still think when you look at the players that they've played against and the teams that they've played against they've been rarely tested and i would still be very worried if i was a steelers fan going into playoff football in the same well, way it's going to be decided they are going to play some savage offenses i think in the playoffs in yeah, the same, so we'll really find out who they are when we hit that it's the yeah. same way as and it's not one of my grievances but i'm so worried by josh allen because of how good he's finished the season like there was a the last TD that he threw to Stefan Diggs on the weekend, uh, sorry on uh, Monday Night Football. Allen rolls out to his left, off balance back foot, and throws it to a diving Diggs. And against the Patriots, you get away with getting that as a touchdown. But Josh Allen comes out like smiling and beaming. He's made a, a phenomenal play. But Josh Allen will probably now try stuff like that in the playoffs, and that's when things get messy. The the overconfidence. So for the same reason, like I'm I'm just so skeptical that the Steelers are going to believe their own hype after playing poor teams, and they're going to get a real shock to the system when they get into the playoffs. But they, look, they've had their shock though. They just they lost three games on the bounce. That's I mean no, you so can't can't poor teams by and large. You know you've got the Bengals and and Washington in there fine they lost away in buffalo and we all admit that buffalo are a good team but you wouldn't say the other two have been ripping up any trees over the course of this season and can yeah. i just add in there ollie you said the rams are a better defense than the steelers yet they lost to the jets so yeah i mean whatever who are the rams but yeah the defense isn't the problem well clearly you think the defense who are the bucks? The steelers, so... who are the bucks yeah um all right go on then give us a grievance jazz seeing as uh you're now so full of Steelers joy yeah I love that Richard that's that's made my day absolutely made my day <laughs> uh, mine is going to the bet busting bastards the Vikings and Kirk Cousins especially I knew this oh, was man. coming up I mean obviously you Cousins did. but I called it happen. before the show I find Kirk Cousins to be highly overrated this at every point such a long running and thing. Case Keenum <laughs> did far better than Kirk Cousins has ever done with that offense so you think maybe they made a mistake paying Kirk Cousins all that money Given again the talent he had, and addition lost lots of digs, sure, but the addition of Jefferson still gave that offense a lot of potency. He just can't get it done in prime time games. You put him in a prime time slot, he just can't do it. Look at the game against the Saints the other day. That defense was there to be picked apart. That was looked like a game which is going to be 52-52 because there's no way the team was getting a stop, especially with the um, the Saints team not having all the players they should do. But he just couldn't get it done. In the key moments, he can't make it. He can't make the throws. He can't find open receivers. He can't scramble. He's immobile. And that whole offense just ran through Dalvin Cook. He should really be the person that gets all the plaudits for the Vikings. And Kirk Cousins should be not on the Vikings next year on a completely different team. Fair. There's my grievance. They still put up 33 points in that game, though. I mean, isn't it more on the defense, which has been bad all year? That doesn't help. But look at Russell Wilson had a very bad defense for how many weeks the Seahawks. He kept them in the games and kept them winning. Because yeah, he's, he's an all-time great, though. I mean, it's I know not he like... is. But again, I say that in in some ways his weapons aren't as good as Kirk Cousins. Yeah, but Kirk, yeah, no, but, but even, even Kirk, let, even Kirk let, Cousins' mum would would not say that he was in the same league as <laughs> Russell Wilson. So, like, no. Let, let's be fair. If you're going to a potential number one seed, or certainly a team that was vying for that slot on their own patch in the NFC, 
and you put up over 30 points of offense. Well, hang on. I think you've done your bit there. If your yeah. defense then ships 50, well, let, let's put some perspective on this. Mm. I mean, how much of that was just because Darwin Cook was running through them, though? And I, you, I, it's, it, surely Kirk Cousins' only job is to manage a football game. And in, in that sense, even if it's just handing the ball off to um, Dalvin Cook, he's, let, go back four years to when Dak Prescott was a rookie. And the argument was he's just handing it off to Ezekiel Elliott. But he got rave reviews because Dallas were winning games. Well, hang on with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I think some of the points you make about Kirk Cousins and his play are valid. But I think if you're going to highlight Christmas night in New Orleans when you put on 30 points on the board, I think that's harsh. Yeah. I mean, mostly that one is also because it ruined my bet for the week. That <laughs> yeah. ah, okay. well, at least we get to the truth of the bet. That's the context yeah. of it there. But my feelings of Kirk Cousins as a whole over his last kind of few years, the Vikings stand up to that. Is yeah, oh, I agree with you. The Vikings should have had a better record this year as well. I think if he plays better all year, they easily make the playoffs and the Bears are nowhere near it. I still think the Bears they, should be nowhere near it. They still need to get better pass protection as well, though, for him. The, the Cousins doesn't get much help in terms of his time that he gets in the pocket. And look, if they can improve on that, and there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to in the offseason, like, that's a great Vikings team that's potentially coming back. Like that offense. Well, Mike Zimmer didn't like the defense at all, did he? he said that worst he's ever seen. Defense had. Yeah, throwing yeah. them under the bus like nothing. Oh, it's, it's not, not good, is it? You think coaches should be getting the best of their players? You don't say that about your players straight away. Outrageous. That defensive side of the ball, though, up there in Minnesota, has gone through a lot of changes this year. Yeah. They, they let some veterans go and brought in um, draft picks. They invested heavily in the draft. So give them 12 months experience in the league. And I do think you perhaps see a different unit next time. Around. And Anthony Barr back and Michael Kendrick's back. And suddenly that's a very different yeah. linebacker core as well. Dave? Still, Kirk Cousins sucks. <laughs> Dave, you got a grievance? Yeah, I've gone for um, some uh, narratives that I hate. So uh, kind of getting off my chest. The narrative of Belichick and Brady and who's better. I keep I keep seeing things and some of my friends have been talking about it. I think we've all been drawn into this debate over the last 20 years or however long you've been following football, however long they've been in the league. Um, I thought it was a tiresome debate like 10 years ago. Um, and it seems to have kind of reared its head again now because obviously Belichick and the Patriots are out of contention. They've had a very bad year. Uh, Brady with the Bucks. Okay, we don't know who they are, but he's had a good year. I think he's played better than I thought he would. Um, and he's 44 years old, or is he 43 this year? Um, so I'm just, I'm sick of that narrative because I thought it was stupid in the first place. They're both brilliant and they both were amazing. And the Patriots caught lightning in a bottle when they had both of them for 20 years, winning six Super Bowls. I don't know why it has to be like, we need to say which one's better or if one didn't have the other, then it would have been completely different. I just, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what you guys think of that narrative or if it's just like an onward going battle in my head, but I seem to have seen it a few times on social media and stuff. And it's annoyed me every time. I think sports media has lots of kind of answer to that. Cause they, in America, they have those kind of debate shows where they told, this is what we're going to debate today. You're going to take this side. You're going to take that side. And you have to debate it. So they yeah. have to create narratives in some way to try and make it work. It's one of the best narratives they can argue because there's so much body of work to look at for both people. And this year has helped to really show what potentially could happen or not happen 
But I think if you had Brady still in New England this year, he'd be just as not quite as bad as Cam Newton, but not much better because the offense he had around him wasn't very good. But I agree. I'm sick of it too. I'd happily just say they're both very good. Yeah. Leave it there. Cool. And look, I don't want to be the one seen as making excuses for the Patriots, but and there's a bit of a name drop here coming up, so I'll warn you. I, I was in Robert Kraft's office three years ago um, really? before Ooh. Garoppolo made... <laughs> that picture's right behind me there. That was taken there. Was this pre or, um, pre or post massage? Yeah, I was going <laughs> to. <laughs> Did you go out with him in the evening, Richard? Did you get his private plane to Miami? Is that what happened? It it, it was all professional. Right, okay. <laughs> let let right. me lay that I'm on the sure line. They were right professional now. too. That massage parlor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this this was before Garoppolo had made the, um, been traded away to the 49ers only by about a month and a half or so. Uh, and the Patriots saw the end of the Brady era coming but didn't want to be the ones to be seen to to push him and in an ideal world Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick wanted Garoppolo he was their nominated heir apparent now nobody would argue that Jimmy Garoppolo is the same caliber of quarterback as Tom Brady is but the key is he was good enough for that offensive system of what they wanted up there mm-hmm. and their, their hand ultimately was forced because they couldn't, couldn't convince Garoppolo to sign an extension so they make the trade for um to the San Francisco 49ers, and they weren't able to find somebody in time to fill that void before Brady himself was the one that made the decision to pull the plug a, a, and leave. And ultimately, I, I just think for the first time in two decades, perhaps people that matter up in, in Foxborough were, were caught without a plan B, and this is what you've seen this season. So yep. what you're saying is it is a system that benefited Brady so Brady's a system quarterback. So Belichick is the king. So the narrative is that Bill Belichick is better than Tom Brady. Right. Got you. Yep. We've, we've sold it. It's all good. You're, you're killing me. That, that, you're killing that's me. a spin somebody who's really stretching might put on it, Ollie. Um, <laughs> I will offer a different scenario, but I'll let you go with it because it's made you happy. Fair. The, the, last thing I, the last thing I'll say on it before I shoot to you, Ollie, to give us your next one um, is I do think like Belichick is the, is the coach um, is kind of bulletproof. Belichick as the GM should take some more flack for how bad this roster is this year. Like oh, now this he's is responsible for that. Uh, because for a long time, I, I've heard a narrative about another team that this, the owner should fire Jerry the GM. How, how does this go in Foxborough exactly? <laughs> Similar thing, really. Just, just asking, just asking. <laughs> I think the difference is that Bill the GM has got six Super Bowls in the last 20 years, whereas Jerry the GM has got not many playoff appearances in the last 20 years. It's time to move on to Ollie, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. After Rich gave you all that Steelers love as well, you've just stabbed yeah, the knife right I know, brutal. Um, hey, he, he, he pulled down my co-cousin's points. So I'm, <laughs> I'm out. My, um, my, mine's kind of a similar one to Dave's in terms of a narrative that I really am tired of hearing. And uh, I think it's an absolute crock. And that is Nelson Aguilar. What a receiver. Because he's not. All right. <laughs> There, there was a stat this weekend about uh, he's had 300-yard oh, games this season compared to three 100-yard games in the whole of his time in Philadelphia. Here are the stats for Nelson Aguilar this season. 12 starts, 15 games, 839 yards, 8 TDs, 17.9 yards of reception, and a catching percentage of 60.3. 2017 Nelson Aguilar in Philadelphia, 65.3 catch percentage, 768 yards, and 8 TDs in just 10 starts in 16 games. Nelson Aguilar's problem is that he will eventually drop the ball, but he can have seasons with soft hands. It's nothing to do with a 
Carr puts the ball better for him compared to Carson Wentz or anything like that. It's all about Nelson Aguilar has just had seasons in Philadelphia where I've he has been dogmas. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say for our audio listeners, Richard was playing the world's smallest violin while Ollie was doing that. This, this is a narrative that needs to be burnt because Nelson Aguilar will burn himself in the next few seasons. And Raiders fans that are like, oh, look, we've turned Nelson Aguilar into a great receiver. You haven't. He had two really good years in five in Philadelphia. He's had one good year in Oakland it'll all come crashing and burning down in the flame that is digitally put up in that brand new stadium uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders I'm tired of this Nelson Aguilar's a great receiver I'm not having it okay so the real narrative here is you get you, your team lets go of a receiver quite rightly so because he wasn't so dropsy, but he does well at another team instead of being like oh good luck you like turn on him and say that he's he was awful and you wish him to no, be out of the league. He wasn't awful. And to be he had two be, good, he had two good seasons. But he's not he's not changed. He's not changed. He's just having no, he one of I'm just saying maybe he's catching the ball from a quarterback that can throw it properly. You're yeah. just maybe you're very, that. very bitter. <laughs> Look, he had drops in Philadelphia, so the ball was there to be caught and he couldn't catch it. It's nothing to do with QBs or anything like that. Nelson Aguilar will always Nelson Aguilar and we will see that next season for sure. Uh, do you want to go back round or no, let's go with Gravesy again. Actually, Rich, give us another one if you've got one. Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to stay a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, um, but it's something that got me early on um, focusing on the Cowboys when look, their defense has played much better in the last month or so. Not great, but it's played better. It's not difficult. It was the worst in the league. Not just the worst in lead, it was the worst in NFL history through the first 13 games of the season. And all I heard through the first five or six weeks were excuses. Excuses that players were learning a new system. Players hadn't had a preseason to get used to new coaches. Um, players just weren't being accountable, quite frankly. And then what did we hear Sunday night? And I loved this and tweeted it out at the time saying, this is must-see. One of the best defensive players ever to play in this game, J.J. Watt steps up in front of camera on the mic and talking about the Texans, obviously, rather than the Cowboys, but says, look, enough with this. We get to do a job we love. We are handsomely paid for this. This is a privilege. If you're not willing to put the hours in, the work in the gym, be accountable on the field, you, quite frankly, shouldn't be playing this game. We don't see enough of that, not just in the NFL, but across sport generally. Player accountability, telling it as it is, because it is a game. It is a privilege. And you do get paid handsomely for it. And I thought that was a real breath of fresh air. And that was just something at the time that I thought, wow, if you had more professional athletes across any sport with this attitude, this is taking us back to the game that we all love as kids insiders, you know, not just media pundits commenting or um, stories being written or recorded, spoken about. It's the game that we first fell in love with. And JJ Watt, for me, encapsulated that in a, a short post-game press conference. I thought that was dynamite. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I loved every second of it. I thought that it just showed that he was trying to make sure everyone knew they were accountable. And it's a player like that that you want in your team to create the culture or uh, augment the current culture that's there. I think in some ways... Not saying he did it for publicity, but that helps to get him a better team next year. Yeah. Because he's played well for the year he's had in a defense that's been stripped of quite a lot of his assets. 
and he could really do some serious work for another team quite happily, like even if just leadership. Was, just like the Steelers, I'd love to see him on one <laughs> side and TJ on the other. That would be my dream come true. I'd have to buy a JJ Watt jersey just to go with my TJ Watt jersey. But that would be the kind of player that could really change a culture and a system that's required. And I completely agree with you. It was a breath of fresh air because so many times it's the coaches did this, the coaches did that, or the Cowboys come out and saying, oh, the coaches are terrible and useless from an anonymous source where you want to see the player who's saying it, come out and say it, come out and say it. Great. Then we can talk about it. Anonymous source. It makes you look like a little bit of a coward, unable to really stand up for yourself and not taking ownership of the own pro- your own problem. That sows more negative seeds in the locker room as well. Cause if it's an anonymous yep. source, Should everyone's like, is. Oh, who is who it? Yeah. It who's looking around? Yeah. Who doesn't like being here? And actually if somebody steps up and is a leader, and you know, doesn't do eating W's and taking selfies and instead calls out the players and says, look, this is what we need to do to win football games. And 99 times out of 100, like a lot of other players in this league, I'd been like, mm, this is just like a media play. But with JJ Watt, you don't buy it as a media play for some reason. I think he has just carved out that niche of being so clean cut, so so driven, loves the game. Um, even like you know the Texans hard knocks, you kind of bought into all of the VT footage of him that doing post training workouts, though, don't you think? Yeah, but it, but you still, I mean, all those shows are staged. But you still think. kind but of buy are, it yeah. with what you buy it more with yeah. what than others because I do think that's who he is. I I can't. I do. I think that he he's a clever guy. So like I think that while that was a very heartfelt thing, I think that he's also mindful of who he is and the kind of the impact that he has on the league and yeah i mean it's not a cynical i think you can be do both things you can call people yeah. out and make really good points but also promote yourself and he's just really good at that so yeah uh, jazzy i agree with that uh next quote for me would be absurd coaching decisions on the field and this is mostly aimed at the falcons los and- angeles charges yeah, okay Lynn. god nice <laughs> because the game, I can't remember who they're playing against, where they iced their own kicker because they wanted to get in the other head coach's mind rather than their kicker's mind. And the let Raiders, have chance. Yeah. That was it, yeah. You don't do that. And then the game where they had, I think it was 45 seconds left in the game, they were at the, their own 40-yard line. They run two run plays with no timeouts and then try and get to the line to throw a passing play as time expires. Mm-hmm. You don't run the ball like that at that point unless you're going to go and spike it. And if you're going to spike it, you spike it off the first run play. You do, or you try and throw a quick pass play to let the clock either stop or get out of bounds. The, the complete lack of help Justin Herbert's had on that offense from the coaching side of things on the field decision-making has been absolutely atrocious. And that's one of the gripes that I really kind of, yeah, dislike completely this year because that team could have done so much better if they just had a few better decisions throughout the year. And also going back to absurd coaching decisions, I suppose in some ways you could also fire that at Greg Williams and the Jets with that zero blitz against the uh, the Raiders twice in two plays where they should have had two touchdowns because the first one to Aguilar was almost a completion. However, at the time when I said it, I still think that was the best choice for Greg Williams to have because the Jets really needed Trevor Lawrence. But then they decided to win games and screw their fans out of any sort of joy for the year as well. I like you said games like there's a plural like they won another game yeah great well done Jets garbage um, <laughs> Dave wow just, I, you, I, I didn't realise there's quite so much animosity in this room about the New York Jets uh, <laughs> yeah well, I, I was hoping I just feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for the fans I think that the fans should have had a chance I think in some ways you go 0-13 you then give your fan base the hope of okay we've got possibly the best QB coming out of college for a while let's focus on that 
And then the players come out and say, no, we're not going to lose all our games. I completely understand. If anything, I applaud them for making sure they still finished hard. So have you but, given up on Sam Darnold? Is that what I'm taking from this? I haven't, because I'd love to see him on the Steelers. I personally think that well, he'd be... Why, why would you want to take a QB in next year's draft? Because if you get the number one pick, that's what they're going to do, isn't it? I think the Jets... You've already got base, Darnold there. The Jets fan base, I think, have had enough of Darnold. But I think Darnold has also been completely handcuffed by having Adam Gase as his head coach. Darnold is like Wentz. Darnold probably won't be able to pr- improve in the situation he's in with the New York Jets because uh. so much wrong has already taken place so Donald needs, needs to be moved start, out yeah. to get a fresh kind of view on everything and be put in yeah. a new system and if he can go into a team with a great winning culture I mean the Steelers is a great place to go for anybody because Mike Tomlin's obviously an awesome head coach and we need a backup at least because Mason Rudolph is only good for getting helmets thrown at his head uh, we'll, we'll find out this weekend <laughs> in uh, Rudolph True. versus Garrett version 2.0 this is going to be great um Dave, can I jump in front of you then? Because yeah, yeah, go staying, for it. staying on the Sam Darnold, Jets, uh, number one pick, all that kind of stuff. The Jacksonville Jaguars are just as garbage as the New York Jets, but they yeah. don't get piled on because they're not the New York Jets. They're Jacksonville. And actually, that team is just as big, maybe more of a disgrace. Doug Marone is dining out on that one season with Blake Bortles at the helm, almost getting to the Super Bowl, getting to the AFC Championship game. That defense now has been completely shredded up, torn away, thrown out the pan, and they've replaced it with almost nothing apart from Miles Jack. DJ Chark is the only offensive player that they've brought through in their own drafting system. They never seem to draft offensive players anyway. No, that was an undrafted free agent pick. Oh, okay. So they don't draft well. They barely draft offensive players anyway. And Trevor Lawrence should be avoiding the Jacksonville Jaguars as much or even more than the New York Jets. Because you look at the QB room that they've tried to bring through. None of those players have ever looked like, to me, they're going to be decent QBs. I've never got on the Minshew mania. That was just pure poster boy stuff rather than actual (laughs) talent. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, a, a shoddy franchise. And they should pack up and move across to they London will. as soon London, as COVID yeah. is done. Because did the Christmas spirit pass you by? This year? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just targeting teams that are worse than the Eagles, so it's kind of <laughs> punching down. I think I'm, to I'm, find where I'm he actually can. kind of better that Malik Jackson went from that great defense and came to Philadelphia and hasn't really done much. So that's kind of annoyed me as well. But yeah, I would if I was Trevor Lawrence, I would be just as worried about going to the Jets, maybe uh, as I and the Jaguars, maybe even more so about going to the Jaguars, because at least if you go to the Jets, you're in New York. Yeah, I think the Jets is a much better proposition, yeah, and they've got some on. wide you receivers get, and stuff, you know. You, you, know. you go to Jacksonville, sun, sea, sand, warm climate all year round. Yeah, headlines. Come on, let's talk this up. Florida man Lawrence. headlines. Yeah, Florida man headlines of like, you know, wrestles Gator in the nude after <laughs> drunk pub brawl or something like that. I mean, it's a wild... It's <laughs> what a lot of papers are you reading? <laughs> I'm going to try and find a recent... That's just Ollie's uh, Friday night. When he was down in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miami was fun, man, in the Super Bowl. Miami was fun. <laughs> yeah, I just look you, you clearly had a different experience to me then. I didn't even see a gator. Hey, I wasn't I wasn't running up and down the beach like you in the sun, that's for sure. I was uh <laughs> hard at work though still all week. Very hard at work indeed. No, I just I just think it's been a, a narrative that's actually been bypassed. And to be honest, the Jets have improved as the season's gone on, whereas the Jaguars haven't at all. 
So, so they I, started off really well beating the Colts, thinking, well, the Colts aren't going to be any good and the Jags are going to suddenly be competing for that division and they haven't won a game since. Yeah. And the Colts obviously went on to destroy the Vikings the week after. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to urge a word of caution here, though, because it is hard to lose 15 straight games in the NFL. It's not like you have this narrative of having to tank for Lawrence anymore either. You you literally have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Yeah. And you're playing against the one team that you've beaten this year who are going to be scoreboard watching, by the way, as well, because they need help to get into the postseason. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but just watch the game. Okay. Interesting. All right. But if it ends up being a 15-loss season, that's not a good record for a young QB to come in coming into um yeah that's my that's my frustration the narrative that the uh the jags seem to get overlooked in this whole worst team in the nfl the new york jets are a diabolical place so dave go on uh i've got another narrative uh that i'm not happy about I, it seems to have quietened down a little bit you guys can comment on that or or not if i'm wrong but every time the bears have been mentioned in the last couple of years um it's also mentioned that they didn't pick Mahomes or Watson. Watson. And I'm really... <laughs> Have you said that several times? I, I, I am the You're first the problem, person Richard. And I'll tell you now, <laughs> I, I, every time I, I see Sean Gale, it's the first thing I bring up with him. And he, he, <laughs> you can see him bristling against it because not only did you trade up in the draft to get your quarterback, a trade which, frankly, you didn't need to make because the 49ers would never take in a quarterback in that draft. That's yep. true. But with... with with, with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes on the board, you traded up for Mitch Trubisky. Are mm. you kidding me? Yeah. I, I'm sorry, but you, you look at it. And even now, the only reason people are talking um, Trubisky up again is because they've won a couple of games and they've, they've got a chance to get in Against on the final teams, weekend yeah. of the regular season. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not, not a buyer of Mitch Trubisky's stock. Um, I would not be surprised if Chicago move on from him at the end of this season because... I don't think they feel he's the long-term solution to their issues. And, um, yep. you know, anyone that was in that war room, quite frankly, um, during that draft, if they're not looking at it, they should look at themselves because that was a bad decision. Right. What I'd say, though, Richard, to bring some balance to that, the reason why I don't like it is because it's so hard to pick the right QB. So if we go back just through the list of the last five years, we can just see the hits and misses and it is well under 50%, I'd say. So it's not just the Bears that make these mistakes. You give me another draft class um, in the first round that had that quality of talent at that position. That's true. I, it's a bad mistake, but I think it's, for me, it's not that the narrative ever happened at all. Obviously, they deserve to get harangued for that, but it's that it continues to happen. We're like, I suppose it will, maybe it will continue to happen until Trubisky's on another team, right? That's the end of the narrative. But it just seems like it's gone on too long. Don't think long he'll, he'll never still here. Yeah, the narrative exactly. ends when they get a good QB. There's a couple of, yeah, there's a couple of things there. Yes, it will continue to go on until Trubisky's on another team. And the reason it'll continue to go on is not just because he was a top five pick. It's because they expended draft stock going forward yeah. to get yeah. to him at, at number two. So it wasn't just that draft. It was a subsequent draft it affected as well. And that's why as long as Mitch Trubisky is in Chicago and they are not winning football games, that narrative will continue, especially when you've got Patrick Mahomes, NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP in contention again this year. 
Deshaun Watson doing an awful lot with very little around him. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, I think Chicago fans expect that from their quarterback. And in terms of that narrative ever dying, it won't because you look at when the, uh, the 1989 draft with the Green Bay Packers selected Tony Mandarich at the offensive tackle rather than picking Barry Sanders, Dion Sanders, or Derek Thomas, three world beating players straight after. That still gets brought up because that was such a terrible pick. And you know what, crikey, it's not just quarterbacks. If you want to know how long memories last with Chicago Bears fans, it was only this last weekend. They were still having a go at Robbie Gold for uh, missing kicks <laughs> in a game that, that ma- mattered to them. So, it, Mitch Trubisky, this is not personal from Chicago Bears fans. Trust me, my Twitter feed tells me across the board, if you're not doing it, their memories run deep. I get the feeling yeah. the narrative isn't going to die because Richard Graves is going to continue. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I picked that one. I've got a long list of that was that was good because we've got we found the source of uh, of the problem for me. So that's good. I've just got to work on Richard now, and then we'll kill it. Rich, any more for any more? No, no I think I'm pretty good. No, that's not true. Actually, the, the there you go. That's what I like to hear. The the, the the biggest gripe of all is coronavirus. Because yeah, it robbed well. UK fans of their, their games over here at Tottenham and then at Wembley. And I, I'll be honest, not just as a professional working covering the NFL, but as a fan of the game as well. I, I've missed actually being out there in the States, covering matches, the atmosphere, the occasion that goes with every single game. It's never just the game. That's almost incidental. The, the day itself is an occasion. Um, and to be part of that is an absolute privilege. And of course, we're going to have the postseason now, the Super Bowl, and it's going to be very different this year uh, because not none of us are going to be there. There may be a limited number of fans inside the stadium, um, pandemic allowing. Touchwood, we we hope that's the case. Um, but yeah, it's that 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 I have missed because at the end of the day, we're all in this because we we love the game uh, and we haven't been able to to enjoy that like we have in previous years this time around. Arrowhead on opening night was, yeah, that was the thing that was kind of I could really look forward to, like getting that and 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 just fans look, in you, general you, as you, well. You were in Miami with us um, for for the Super Bowl, and you know this was the one occasion I said it at the time where they got it right with the Rock introducing both the teams. But when when the Kansas City Chiefs came out, just their fans because they hadn't been there. Um, for 50 years or so that you know it meant it's like um i don't know if you were there at the time but 2014 with the seattle seahawks it was a similar thing with what it meant to to their fans so a chance to go to arrowhead uh, which is still a stadium that i, I need to tick off my list and a witness and experience an occasion that meant so much to so many people around there yeah that was a big miss i'm amazed mike mccarthy lying to get the dallas job hasn't cropped up on your list of gripes though i really thought that was going to be like a nailed on the absolute cheek of the bullshitter to get the job. Well, well, well I, I'm not not so knee jerk as some other people I'm aware of, and so I, you know, I look at the, the big picture. <laughs> I, I don't know what you mean about that, but Nelson. <laughs> but seriously, Nelson Aguilar's not a good receiver. Um, <laughs> Jazz, any? I'm assuming you've got loads. I've got a few more, but I don't have to go through all of them. But one of the ones that's grabbed me most recently is the referees and video replay. There was one. I can't remember the. the the game again. We watched it together, what I think it was on Skype. It could be in the Vikings game. Mm. Kirk Cousins throws the ball into the ground. The referees don't call an incomplete pass, let the Saints pick it up and return it for a touchdown. They call it a touchdown and they take more than five seconds to see the ball hit the ground. 
it's simple and obvious in live play. There's no need to have gone to replay for it. And the way they're calling the games now, by letting the play continue, fine, all well and good. But if you make a touchdown call and it's fractional and you haven't got your clear and obvious change of the evidence to make it, it change the call, you can completely screw a team over because you just chose, well, we'll call it a touchdown. We can't change our mind because it's not obvious enough. Well, if it's 50-50 there should be some point where you have to try and choose which way you give benefit of the doubt to, because you can't just let plays continue, let a defense score touchdowns, completely change the momentum of a game and the outcome of a game on something that actually may be a completely wrong call because the camera angle didn't quite catch it at just the right time. You haven't got enough evidence to overturn it. So that's what, one of my major what's gripes. your alternative jazz in some way they have to think about if it's 50, 50 and so close, you can't actually tell which way it should go. Yeah you should try and give the benefit of the doubt to the offensive team at that point, from my point of view, or you just say, okay, turnover, the ball stops dead there, even if they have a recovery for a touchdown. But why wouldn't but you, you agree that, with the referees that are seeing things live? This is the I difficult think it thing. I know, it's a difficult thing to figure out. I'm not saying I've got an answer for it, if I'm honest, but I just okay. think that that's one thing they need to address and figure out how to get it correct. The, the, the thing is, though, we, we still want to feel that the officials on the field have a, an important role to play. And yep. by, the way, by the way it's written that it, in, in the... If you have doubt in a decision, you stick with the call on the field. That still empowers the, the officials. And I think we'd all agree that whilst not perfect, you know, look, look at the, the way video replay has been introduced. Um, oh, let's not start with that. over here, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and which, what, what would we rather have? So, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, I'm not going to go so hard it, on, it does on feel, video replay. It, it does feel, though, to, to Jazz's point slightly, in the way that football is being encouraged at the moment to not give an offside and then go back and review it, they're allowing the plays to run on, which are sometimes kind of clearly and obviously shouldn't be coming uh, should yeah. be coming back or should have been blown up a long time ago. And uh, And the video review is starting to discourage the referees to on occasion to making those calls, which... It's not going to be a huge impact all the time, but it's a slippery slope if you start encouraging officials to not be decisive with the initial calls. I'd rather they made a call and then video review overturned it afterwards than they let something run on. Potentially then players get injured if the play goes on for too long and things like that. And you start think, giving referees a bit more hesitation to making the initial yeah, call on the field. That, that's fine, but it was only a few years ago when officials weren't encouraged to to let the play develop and continue and then review it. And they said, you know, they blew, blew it dead at the spot and you had coaches and players up in arms because, and some, yeah, well, you, you've yeah, robbed us true. of, say, 80 yards of field position and a score potentially. Yeah. So you can't have your cake and eat it. It's true. never going to be perfect, is it? Also, it comes back to consistency as well, though. The number of times the last couple of weeks, even just the last weekend of games, we've had incomplete passes where the, QB's hand has been slightly empty. Some sometimes the the uh, New York guys called it as being incomplete. Other times it's called it a fumble. It hasn't been a clear and obvious difference between those calls in terms of what they look like to your hand and what you can see. So sometimes it feels again it goes back to the catch rule. We've had all these issues over the years with what's a catch, what's not a catch. Oh, but they need to have more up. consistency with their calls. Let's not bring up the catch rule. Rich. No, that's a whole different. <laughs> Don't get there's a few, there's a few, <laughs> few Dallas grievances I think about catch rules, but I can't remember now. We'll probably... <laughs> uh, Dave, any more? All for I'm anyone? saying is Des caught it. <laughs> All I'm saying it wasn't a catch because that's what they ruled. So, uh... <laughs> Dave, any more for any more? Uh, I've got some quick fire ones uh, that we don't have to go too in depth on. We probably agree on most of them. Uh, the Texans for wasting um Deshaun Watson's year and probably the next few years um 
all defensive coordinators because I don't like the way the league is going so offensive that like there's no balance. And I like watching good defense. I don't feel like we're seeing. I mean, a lot rules of that. are also playing into that as well. Like yeah. Ollie's, uh, what Ollie's yeah. gripes is when you have the <laughs> yeah, outside receiver going one on one with the corner, the QB just throws it up, hoping the DB just PI, yeah, yeah. somewhere, and they get. So, a so just back. to clarify, you, David, you were a big fan of Super Bowl Fifty Three. Sorry. Yeah, it was Super Bowl. Oh, Rams, Rams, Patriots. Yeah, yeah. That, that was right up your no, street. No, 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 no. I'm a fan of balance. So, like, so Patriots, <laughs> Patriots, Seahawks. He wants his cakes. He wants to eat it. Patriots, Seahawks, <laughs> a few years earlier, I think was the best Super Bowl that I've seen since I've been watching football because it had good defense, good offense. It had obviously that amazing play at the end. But uh, yeah, that's what I like. It needs to come back to the pack a little bit. Defensive coordinators need to catch up. Um, with the Andy Reeds of the world. And I don't know, it doesn't look like they're going to, but that's a gripe of mine. Uh, I've put down here, Jazz's love for Leonard Fournette. That's for obvious reasons. I got that wrong. Um, uh, oh, my, f- my fantasy season, sure. He's had a good yeah. finish to the season when they've played him, though. I mean, he's run all right. Uh, who thought Jones is going to outperform Leonard Fournette to that level? <laughs> yeah, well. I know, that was crazy. Uh, I've got another my friends making jokes about the Fal- Falcons possibly signing Adam Gase as their head coach. <laughs> oh, I know that. Stop it. Oh, I like that. Stop yeah. it right now. <laughs> um, and then the last one I put down is me for kind of enjoying the whole NFC's fiasco. It's like that's kind not of a great. Guilty... That's a good thing. You enjoy it, it. Yeah, but I kind of like I'm targeting myself for having a bit of a guilty pleasure. You know, it's kind of like uh, I don't know, like dancing to the, along to the Spice Girls at a wedding or something. You're like, I shouldn't be doing this. This isn't cool, but I, I quite like it. If, if, um, only, if only the NFC East yeah. was as pleasant as dancing along to the Spice Girls at a wedding, man. Like, <laughs> trust yeah, me, have we seen Dave that makes dance? it seem That's quite magical, question. actually, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's been a lot worse than that. Tell you, um, my only one, my well, my last one really is uh, Monday Night Football is an absolute garbage pile of a broadcast compared to everything else that goes before it on the weekend. And ESPN need to really catch up. And the facts that you know Fox have done such a good job with Thursday Night Football as well this year. Like Buck and Aikman are great. Nance and Romo are great. Uh, Collinsworth and Mike Tirico is the best play-by-play caller for me personally. Um, great voice, Tirico. Yeah, it's just awesome. It's yeah. been great to have him coming in every so often uh, on NBC. But all of those are so much better because there's no stupid graphics. There's no uh, three-man booze. You know, I don't. I haven't heard anything from a play-by-play or from any of the analysts on ESPN. I've, has made me kind of think, oh, yeah, that's an interesting point. I've not picked up on that. And admittedly, you know, we all watch a lot of American football and they're prime time trying to base it down to the person that maybe only watches one or two games a weekend. Yeah. But you can't exclude the key fans as well by dumbing it down so much. And it's been an embarrassment for a number of years. And I think it's really shown this year that they still can't get a good pairing in the broadcast booth and they need to do something about it. Are they, are they bringing in Drew lots of money for people though. Are they bringing in Drew Brees next year? Is that... That was a rumour that Breeze was going to be picked up by one of the TV networks and it could yeah. possibly be Monday Night Football. I got but... paid something like $20 million a season, something like that. But even... You know, money, money. They are trying to get Peyton Manning. Apparently they are trying to make a play for Peyton Manning and offered him, I think, $25 million a year. I think Peyton turned them down as well. I had to look up at Steve Levy is the play-by-play for Monday Night Football. And that shows because, I mean, Serator was garbage for the couple of years that he did it. Um, and then the change hasn't been any better at all. They they need to go back. They were so good with Tariko and Gruden as well. That's been the fall from grace massively for a broadcast. And it makes it unenjoyable. They need to get, a, uh, they need to get an English uh, media giant on 
You mean me, not Rich, right? Um, <laughs> I said Rich. I mean, he's you got can a, slash it if you want. You and a, Ollie. He's got a better oh, background, yeah. to be honest. His, yeah. does seem more committed. Back, back it's, it's, it's just a little bit of effort, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, <laughs> Rich, cheers for uh, joining us, mate. That was uh, a lot of fun. Really good fun. Yeah, it's been a blast, guys. Enjoyed it. And um, I guess best of luck to your Cowboys this weekend. <laughs> Is that stick in the throat? <laughs> Be- because I will freely say now, best of luck to those Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah, I bet you will. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> when you were describing the, and then they go into the playoffs with a home game, and a little bit of sick came up. Little bit of sick. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to deal potentially with another game in Dallas where they haven't built a stadium. That's a gripe. They haven't built a stadium correctly for where the sun shines. Sunlight in. comes in, yeah. Sort it out, Jerry. That's uh, true. Over a billion dollars and you balls up the angle of the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, it's, it's not his fault that the sun's ended up rising in the east and settling in the west. He never knew it was going to happen. It's, it's unpredictable. <laughs> it's because Jerry Unpredi- every Sunday Jared does it. Every Sunday. Jerry Jones thinks <laughs> I, I, this is the you sun. You get some cloud as well sometimes and other days it's clear sky. And I just think <laughs> it, it, it just fits into this stereotype you've created of yourself being a bit of a Grinch this Christmas. I'm more than happy to lean into that because it's green. <laughs> That's just going green. That's what we do. It's all good in Philly. No, cheers, man. Thanks for coming on, bud. Thanks, Richard. Really I enjoyed it. it. Thanks, Thanks a lot, going by the way but i did have a couple others go on what, what, what if you want to hear a quick if you want to hear them quickly yeah um, it was players giving themselves nicknames oh yeah we discussed this. really annoys the hell out mr me. big chest there's that one but actually mike badgley was the one that annoyed me more more than any other when a kicker starts saying oh no my name's the money badger because he makes one kick to win a game mate yeah. you're on a team that hasn't done very well all year didn't he actually and trademark it as well it, Oh, I didn't know that. If he's done that, it's even worse because nicknames are given by someone else. You cannot nickname yourself. That's like me saying, I want to be called the hammer. Why? Just be my nickname from now on. No one's going to call me it because it's not been given to me. If it's a given nickname, it will stick and it will stay with you. Whether it's a good or a bad nickname, it will stick with you. Calling yourself the money badger, you need to piss off. That's what you do. Yeah. Take a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror Figure out why no one else has given you that name because clearly it doesn't fit and you need to really grow up. I had um, agree. That was a good one. I had a a huge gripe from a Saturday night football game um, on Amazon Prime. Uh, Was it the Cardinals the other week? Cardinals against the 49ers uh, the other day where they didn't have the yellow line for the first down. Yeah, it was Cardinals 49ers. That was the most irritating thing on a TV broadcast of the NFL. Oh, that does suck. It was it a nightmare. Suck. Really bad. There were a number of times where... They got a first... Oh, this looks close to a first down. Oh, no, no, it's five yards away. Is yeah, that great. something they're going to sort out, do you think? I have Who no idea. Knows? It's only been on that Amazon Prime broadcast that I've noticed it, and I haven't noticed it anywhere else. And the Americans else. slated Amazon Prime for their entire broadcast because people struggled to get hold of it too, and people who were in places where bars were open had to go from a bar to go home to watch the Amazon Prime game to go back to the bar to watch the late game. Yeah, that's weird. This streaming... it's a mess. I hope it. Do- I hope it doesn't become like um, soccer, where you've got you've got to have a subscription to like eight different things. Well, with Game Pass, football. they won't. Game Pass will still be Game Pass. Mm. 
I know, but like, um, but yeah, if you want to watch all the live like broadcasts in America, yeah, it seems. Well, you yeah. you buy a like direct TV have like a big package and stuff like that. But it's um, I I find the whole like making it a streaming only game very odd. That's what I was talking mm-hmm. about when I was like, isn't it weird? I, we were chatting during that game about it, Jazz. I said to Jazz, isn't it yeah. weird that we're watching on TV a game that can only be streamed in the US? So we are yeah. guaranteed to watch it in perfect quality because it's coming through on TV for us. Yeah. But anybody who's watching it in the US could potentially have like jittery frame rates and stuff. Yeah. Because it's say live in a small town with terrible internet connection. I know. It's rude. But it's like it's like when you go abroad, like when I was traveling in Asia, uh so when was that? Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. I mean, considering <laughs> and... the brags that uh, Rich was dropping about when I was in Robert Kraft's office. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I love that he said that. We got all over it straight away. Uh, um, sorry, yeah. The first comment was, uh, "Was that before or after the massage <laughs> yeah. parlor trip?" <laughs> so yeah, twenty eleven. When when I was in Asia, the they had so I was still watching football then, and they um they just had everything, absolutely everything, all games yeah. like live. They had like reruns the next day because the rights were totally different yeah. and cheap, it's like and cheap, yeah. And it's just like I'm able to watch more football, and I could watch Fulham, who I was still sporting at the time. So like that was amazing for me. I was like, I can't watch Fulham in the UK unless they're playing Chelsea or Arsenal Some, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's fucking. Oh, this yeah. year you can see them whenever you want because it's either on Amazon or it's on every... extended games because they're they're showing every single game, which actually is making the entire thought of watching football in some ways to me too much. I just can't do it. So I'm, I'm, sa- over, I'm overly saturated with it. Yeah. Yeah, there's there is too much. I, I don't care about Aston Villa playing West Brom. I don't give a shit. It's the I really same don't care. amount. I don't of want hype it on TV for yeah. a small game compared to a big game. So like Arsenal Chelsea yeah. has the same hype and build up as Brighton Fulham Wolves Man United. Um, yeah. Whereas what and I was thinking about this of why do we not get the same thing in the NFL? And there's a because it's the shorter season, so you kind of yep. you lap up or as much it's American finite. football as you can. But also, the other thing is, is like they show every game, but the big games still get more get coverage. The they get the yeah, bigger yeah. broadcasting teams, things like that yeah. on it. So you're excited for Fox's game of the week because their game of the week is slightly different to all the other games that they've broadcast that day already. CBS, you know the best game that CBS have. It's going to be Nance and Romo and their broadcast quality because... The analysts in general in the US are so much better. Take out Akib Talib, take out Brian Greasy, take out Louis Riddick. But most of the analysts are better at definitely break- putting Shane Vereen. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely Shane Vereen should be in there. They're better at breaking down the game and the plays as they happen than I think most uh, than compared to the average football analyst that you get in the UK as well. So I I feel like I learn I think more it's a more things. intricate game as well though. I think it's the reason easier- why you see better analysts in the US because American football has lots of small intricacies. Oh yeah, yeah, you can yeah. Away, and I can't yeah. always see with football. Can... It's not as it's not to say it's not intricate because it is, but because it's more free flowing, you don't say okay. Oh yeah, we planned to do this, and this is what happened. But you can definitely get away with not having, not being like super clever in like talking about football. It's just been a thing. Well, I think for you should be, be super clever to talk about um, NFL either. I mean, it's just you have to know and have knowledge and experience. I don't think it's intelligence is but kind of the issue. I know what you're saying, it's though. It's easier to pick but I think up. That you can have people who. 
Yeah. It's easy to pick up features that the layman would maybe miss on an NFL play than it is on a football play, like on a build up to a goal or something yeah. like that, um, which makes it easier to cover as an analyst to kind of. But I still think, you know, that's still more appealing and maybe why, you know, co-coms should be quieter during games, during football as opposed to analysts in the Unless NFL. Unless you're Gary Neville, I think he does them. a great job. Yeah, there are good ones. I'm not saying they're all bad at all, but I just think the standard of play-by-play and, and coverage of uh, pundits is better in the US. Yep. But, um, I, had a, I had a couple more grabs, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I assume Two more. Um, we kind of covered it already, which is unpredictable teams, like the Rams or the Vikings is another example of which mm-hmm. an unpredictable team. If the you don't Chargers. know what they're going to do every week, are they going to show up or not? You cho- well, Chargers are probably not going to show up every week apart from trying to keep it close and then the coaches are going to screw them, which is, of course, one of my, gri- uh, one of my gripes. Mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien was one of my gripes for dismantling the Texans team and making them a fun team to watch to yeah. complete yeah. dog that shit. kind of my one about the days, Texans yeah. wasting Deshaun Watson. Yeah. yeah, and now that the Texans have such a bad season, Miami's gets the third pick in the draft, mm-hmm. which is now a wonderful thing for them to be in place of. And my other one was, if I had to go here already, if everyone else had taken my other ones, I was going to use this one. My other gripe is you wanting to buy Justin Herbert Chargers jersey. You're an Eagles fan. You shouldn't wear another team's colours. You sicken me. Uh, I'm still a duck fan as well, and that's a, that's one of my boys. Then buy, the that was the day. You buy an Oregon Ducks jersey. i got no issue with that. You buy a Chargers jersey. You might as well just go and buy a Michael Tong Sheffield United jersey. That's how... That's how it should be to you. Completely. Well, they're not a rival to the Eagles, Com- though. Hang completely on. different. That's... Different conference, different division. Okay. Buy a Thierry Henry Arsenal jersey. Well, he hates Arsenal, yeah. so that wouldn't happen. I mean, it's it's like me having an Independiente no, Del Valle jersey, which I do. So, Or like a Palmer jersey as a Milan fan. Which, well, no, because they're would... in different different leagues entirely. No, but it's like, okay. The NFL I, is one league. I support Milan, but I'd wear a Palmer jersey. So I'd... Yeah, but... You, you, let's get Herbert up Italian on there. team you, you're not in Italy so. one of my one of my other gripes um, is what I've already moaned to you about is the over love of Tua Justin Herbert's just set the rookie TD record but it's still been like Tua Tua Tua's taken way more headlines like Herbert has had been on a bit of a downslide towards the end of the season there's more tape on him the Chargers don't haven't been as consistent offensively not it's because they're not relevant, Ollie. It's because they're not relevant. They're not, they're not relevant the at all. Yeah. And the, the thing with the Dolphins is they had that whole issue where Fitzpatrick did so well and then got benched in favour of Tua and then Tua didn't do so great but then started playing really well. And that's a team that's going to be in playoff contention still. And then he possibly. got benched again like, though as well. Playoffs. Like Tua's been benched. He did. Of course, yeah. That's very true. He did. But so. that team is still relevant. The charges are completely, unfortunately, but out of all irrelevant. Of, out of all the rookie quarterbacks, Two has seemingly taken more kind of plaudits when Herbert no. to me is. No, I don't agree where with that you, at all. Where have you seen this? Just, that's just, a, that's just, a narrative that you've made like up. What's happened here? Yeah, it just you've feels that way. A, dilemma, this is a false narrative because you keep talking about Tua. They keep putting in front of your social media feed probably, just to try and get you probably, angry and hyped up. That's, probably, that's what they're trying to do. <clears throat> they're trying to say, "Oh, let's get Wilson really angry here. Let's hype him up against, that, against Tua." When really, no one's saying anything about that. Everyone thinks Justin well, Herbert. I just think I think it's actually I think he's cleverer than that. I think that he is just using this as a way of talking about Justin Herbert. 
Herbert more. So it's like it's like oh, the guys are sick of me talking about Justin Herbert in a let, normal let me try, way. Twist so let me just let me be like, oh, okay, how can I do it? Backdoor it. Oh yeah, two of them. They've been talking about him too much. Okay, let's use that. And then we'll do Herbert, my boy, boy. Let's talk about Herbert. I mean, yeah. we should That's talk more about Herbert. Let's talk more about Herbert. That's what's I mean, let's on. talk about teams that actually have yeah. relevance at this time of the year, which the Chargers haven't had relevance for how many years? All guts, no glory. Guts, no glory. All guts, all glory. That's what you do every week. Just... Yeah, I've, I'm just trying to win on a well end on a win or a win in a winning bang if we can here anyway i've picked the steelers plus 10 to keep it within 10 of the browns because although most Rudolph's crap i don't trust baker mayfield because i think he's useless uh the giants to beat the cowboys because i can see all well and good saying the cowboys have done better i think that the giants might be able to run all over them again we backed the falcons last time against the bucks and they screwed us this time the falcons avenged that Oh, to rub no. that, that big comeback and they oh, beat the Bucks. Oh, no. The Eagles have the Washington football team appear and they take care of business and they allow the Washington football team to make the playoffs, but only because the Giants beat the Cowboys and the Eagles then beat the Washington football team because Tyler Heineke is not going to be able to get away from Brendan Graham. And then we have the 49ers beating the Seahawks because, well, it's about time the 49ers did something again after winning last week against the Cardinals and the Raiders are going to beat the Broncos and that got me I've got to try and do maths in my head give me two seconds because I've put five pounds on it as opposed to one pound on it so eight, three, two, five. fuel the addiction Jazz that got me 167 to one please gamble responsibly unlike Jazz um, okay fair we um we're actually very similar, Jazz, and it doesn't surprise me because there aren't many games that you can kind of try and twist the odds slightly to help you out. Yeah. But I too believe that Big Blue will get it done against the Dallas Cowboys. I also think the Raiders will get it done against the Denver Broncos. I also think the 49ers are going to end up putting away this Seattle oh, wow. Seahawks. I also think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to beat the Washington football team. Uh, Did you go the Eagles as well? Yeah, I went Eagles, yeah. Um, <laughs> great it's five out of six of the same no no four what's six four Eagles Niners oh. Raiders Giants oh okay sorry yeah um, however I'm going with the Saints to beat the Panthers and right. the Bucks to beat the Falcons which brings me down to 48 to 1 but fair, yeah it doesn't surprise me we're on a similar similar wavelength there Jazz Absolutely. although that also worries right. me slightly I have come up with a bet <clears throat> this is bigger than my normal ones as well which you like jazz i'm starting to go your way it's like 24 to 1 no it's 61 to 1 baby oh that's what i want to hear uh i've got the browns winning i've gone with the falcons because you know whatever right <laughs> <laughs> i've gone with the uh i've gone with the jets to beat the patriots uh, i've got the titans Ooh. minus seven and a half against the texans I've got the Packers minus five and a half against the Bears because the Bears are garbage, even though they keep winning. I've got the Cowboys to win, and yeah, that's my sixty-one to one. I don't think I think that's pretty good. I can see those things happening. Fair. Well, if you didn't see them happening. You should put them down.
Big thanks to Jazz and Dave, as always, for joining on the show. Of course, a big thank you to Richard Graves from Sky Sports NFL for talking all things NFL with us today. Uh, you can follow Richard on Twitter at RichardGraves1. That's at RichardGraves1. Of course, you can see his content on Sky Sports NFL. You can follow David Bluck on Twitter and Instagram at David Bluck one on Twitter. That's at David Bluck one on Twitter and at David Bluck on Instagram. Jazz is Jazz Gillum on Twitter and Instagram. That's Jazz Gillum and myself O underscore J underscore Wilson. Remember to follow, like, subscribe to the podcast on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio app, and of course our host Anchor.fm and all other good podcasting outlets as well. And hopefully one of us can get a victory with our six-team accumulators this week so that the regular season isn't an absolute disaster from our point of view. We'll find out, though, in about seven days' time when we'll start getting ready for the start of the playoffs. Until then, take care.